This is Point of View with Chris Berg. Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up here in just a moment, Senator Kevin Kramer is going to join us live. Very important conversation to have with him because earlier today, for the first time ever in the history of the United States, a president has been impeached twice, two times. President Trump impeached today in the House of Representatives. And I just wanted to take a moment and let this sink in when you think about this. The president today was impeached at the crime scene at the crime scene. That is obviously why they are going through this impeachment process. So will he be convicted in the Senate? We're gonna talk about that with Senator Kevin Kramer. First though, just about an hour ago, President Trump uh, put out, it's about a five minute video. So it's a little bit longer than what we typically play here on the show. And it's the President of the United States after the second time, for the first time ever in the history of our nation, a president's been impeached. So I wanna play this video in its entirety for you so you can hear the full message. Then we'll bring in Senator Kramer. Here's President Trump. My fellow Americans, I want to speak to you tonight about the troubling events of the past week. As I have said, the incursion of the U.S. Capitol struck at the very heart of our republic. It angered and appalled millions of Americans across the political spectrum. I want to be very clear. I unequivocally condemn the violence that we saw last week. Violence and vandalism have absolutely no place in our country and no place in our movement. Making America great again has always been about defending the rule of law, supporting the men and women of law enforcement, and upholding our nation's most sacred traditions and values. Mob violence goes against everything I believe in and everything our movement stands for. No true supporter of mine could ever endorse political violence. No true supporter of mine could ever disrespect law enforcement or our great American flag. No true supporter of mine could ever threaten or harass their fellow Americans. If you do any of these things, you are not supporting our movement you're attacking it, and you are attacking our country. We cannot tolerate it. Tragically, over the course of the past year, made so difficult because of COVID-19, we have seen political violence spiral out of control. We have seen too many riots, too many mobs, too many acts of intimidation and destruction. It must stop. Whether you are on the right, or on the left, a Democrat or a Republican, there is never a justification for violence. No excuses, no exceptions. America is a nation of laws. Those who engaged in the attacks last week will be brought to justice. Now I am asking everyone who has ever believed in our agenda to be thinking of ways to ease tensions, calm tempers, and help to promote peace in our country. There has been reporting that additional demonstrations are being planned in the coming days, both here in Washington and across the country. I have been briefed by the U.S. Secret Service on the potential threats. Every American deserves to have their voice heard 
in a respectful and peaceful way. That is your First Amendment right. But I cannot emphasize that there must be no violence, no law-breaking, and no vandalism of any kind. Everyone must follow our laws and obey the instructions of law enforcement. I have directed federal agencies to use all necessary resources to maintain order. In Washington, D.C., we are bringing in thousands of National Guard members to secure the city and ensure that a transition can occur safely and without incident. Like all of you, I was shocked and deeply saddened by the calamity at the Capitol last week. I want to thank the hundreds of millions of incredible American citizens who have responded to this moment with calm, moderation, and grace. We will get through this challenge just like we always do. I also want to say a few words about the unprecedented assault on free speech we have seen in recent days. These are tense and difficult times. The efforts to censor, cancel, and blacklist our fellow citizens are wrong, and they are dangerous. What is needed now is for us to listen to one another, not to silence one another. All of us can choose by our actions to rise above the rancor and find common ground and shared purpose. We must focus on advancing the interests of the whole nation, delivering the miracle vaccines, defeating the pandemic, rebuilding the economy, protecting our national security, and upholding the rule of law. Today, I am calling on all Americans to overcome the passions of the moment and join together as one American people. Let us choose to move forward united for the good of our families, our communities, and our country. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Joining us now live, Senator Kevin Kramer. Senator Kramer, welcome back to Point of View. Always great to have you with us, sir. Unless uh, you let's start with just your reaction to that statement from President Trump. Well, Chris, this is the first time I've seen it, actually. So I appreciate the opportunity, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, it would have been better a week ago. And uh, he couldn't have said it better, I don't think. He was unequivocal. He um, was firm. He was 100% in his condemnation of the violence. And he's absolutely right about the shameful, shameful conduct of our big tech companies that seem to have no understanding or appreciation for the rights of Americans to express themselves in a peaceful manner. So I thought it was great five minutes. And like I said, I wish I would have heard it a week ago. Thank you for that. I think many Americans uh, agree with you uh, on that, sir. Let's go then to this. Yesterday on his way to Alamo, Texas, President Trump said that his comments uh, a week ago today in Washington, D.C. were totally appropriate. Do you agree with President Trump? Well, Chris, assuming that you're talking or that he was talking about his comments at the rally, I would not agree with him. And, and here's where I disagree with him vehemently. And I frankly think it's one of the things that he's done and said that's got him in the most hot water with several Republicans. And that is his condemnation of Vice President Mike Pence, who has for four years stood by his side. He's he's been more than just 100% loyal to him. He's actually validated him in many in many circles. He's spoken for him in in more eloquent ways than our president's capable 
capable of speaking, and he's done it. He's been a fantastic vice president who upheld his constitutional oath. And and um, when the president told people that the vice president has the power to object or to reject uh, electors from various states, that's just not true. And um, and for that, he bears some responsibility for angering the, the crowd. The same is true, of course, of the Senate's um, uh, opportunities and, and abilities constitutionally to object to electors. That's nowhere in the Constitution. The Constitution is quite clear that those are not our powers, and it was unfortunate. And so, no, I don't think that, uh, I wasn't impressed with his speech. I don't think it was completely appropriate. Um, I also think that, you know, building up Rudy Giuliani as some sort of a hero, when Rudy Giuliani has been a very, very poor um, lead counsel for the president, he's struck out at every at every time at bat. And in addition to that, in that, that very rally before the president got there, he actually referred to combat. As a as a means of of um, responding to what was going on, so no, I don't think it was an appropriate speech at all. So, with that being said, uh, today on the House floor during the impeachment debate, House Minority Kevin McCarthy said, "Yes, President Trump does bear responsibility for what took place on the Capitol grounds." Do you agree with Kevin McCarthy that President Trump does bear responsibility for what took place a week ago on the Capitol? Well, Chris, the reason I'm always reluctant to say the president bears responsibility for it was because he wasn't there on the grounds and the perpetrators who did commit these crimes should not be relieved of their responsibility by saying the devil made me do it. I've never liked the devil made me do it excuse from anybody. Um, but does the president des you know, deserve some of the responsibility and some of the blame for whipping up a crowd? For sure. But his literal words did not incite or instruct them to come down to the Capitol and and commit um, violence or, or vandalism. And in fact, his, his comments were rather specific that they should do whatever they do in a peaceful manner. But again, it wasn't helpful. I thought it was inappropriate. I thought it was insightful. But I don't think that it rises to a, an impeachable offense by any stretch. And I think it was very unfortunate what we saw in the House today. Sir, I know that he did say, let's go down and protest peacefully and patriotically. But there were also many comments in that speech who say, let's go down there and fight. Let's hope that Mike Pence does the right thing. You and I both know at some point in the Capitol that day right. they were chanting, hang Mike Pence. Um, you talked about how loyal Mike Pence has been. So you're not comfortable saying that President Trump bears any responsibility for that? No, I think he bears some responsibility for for ramping up the crowd, for inciting some of its anger. But he never told the crowd to go down and he can't hang Mike Pence or even suggest that that was a good idea. He'd hoped that Mike Pence would do what he considers to be the right thing, and that would be to object. But Mike Pence doesn't have that authority under the Constitution. I know Mike Pence and Donald Trump both quite well. And when it comes to, you know, standing on the Constitution, I think Mike Pence has been, uh, you know, far superior. I'm going to get to Mike Pence in a moment. But so the, the article of impeachment is incitement <coughs> to an, an insurrection. Yeah, so you, I hear you kind of saying, hey, Chris, there was some incitement here. He bears some responsibility for, for what he said. So uh, will you vote to convict in the Senate trial that we don't even know if it's actually going to happen or not? But assuming it does, will you vote to convict? Well, first of all, I never I never default to guilt. I think every jury in America is pretty well instructed that you don't default to guilt. And so um, it would, certainly would not be my leaning to do that. Furthermore, this president has just, been, has just been impeached, as you know, on the House floor without any due process. There wasn't, a, he didn't even have lawyers present. He didn't but have, sir, there were no hearings. So uh, it, that's purely a political uh, game that they were playing over in the House today. Sir, to be fair, an impeachment proceeding is similar to like a grand jury. I mean, when you go to a grand jury, you don't have an attorney present or whatnot. So I get what you're saying, but let's go to this. On January 10th, um, I reached out to you, and you're always so great to get back to us. I said, hey, 
do you support the 25th Amendment and or impeachment? You sent mm -hmm. me back, said no, no, unless, of course, we learn something new, like he ordered the military, military to ignore calls for assistance at the Capitol. There's now reports that it was Vice President Mike Pence that had to initiate the National Guard. Uh, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan had to wait 90 minutes before getting a call from the Secretary of an Army to actually bring his National Guard into D.C. Does that change your point of view, pun intended, on the situation to give you some more evidence to potentially vote to convict? It doesn't, Chris, because there's nothing in that uh, that you just mentioned to me or in that report that the, that the president uh, declined. Remember, the vice president was actually in the Capitol at that time. He was at that point that he was making those calls. He was either in his office, which is right off the Senate floor, or in the basement where he was ushered later in the evening or later in the afternoon. And so it makes sense that that the vice president would be in you know in contact with the governor and with the uh, with the military. I don't know that the president uh, declined. Uh, assistance. I do know, and I think you probably know if you've read the, the timeline from the Department of Defense. In fact, I had a, a telephone conversation just yesterday with the Chief of Staff of the Army, General McConville. He called me specifically to talk about, um, more importantly, the role of the military going forward in the inauguration. But we also talked about the events of last week. And uh, it doesn't appear that, that anybody other than the Capitol Police, frankly, who, who if, if anybody deserves any blame for not having the uh, adequate support there, it would be the Capitol Police, that they're the only ones that didn't ask for help from the, the National Guard. But doesn't it concern you, sir, that the Commander-in-Chief, according to Kevin McCarthy, was not available via phone, which I don't know if I believe that, but they couldn't get a hold of him. That's why Vice President Pence had to make a Commander-in-Chief type decision? Well, I'm just grateful we have a vice president who's capable of making commander-in-chief types of decisions. And yeah, does it concern me? Sure, it concerns me. His lack of attention to it concerns me. But that doesn't mean that he denied or declined the uh, the help because, in fact, the vice president on the president's behalf accepted the help. It took a long time in getting there because they weren't as prepared probably as they could have been had they been prepared. But Chris, make no mistake, I don't even like the military being involved in these kinds of things. Just like Dapple, remember how late and how reluctant our National Guard was to get involved in the DAPL protests, and uh, and rightfully so. Um, what we should have had is a lot more police officers, federal, state, local, whatever it would take, um, dressed appropriately with appropriate tags on them. Um, we should have had a very, very strong police force, not a military force. Senator, I just got a few minutes left. I want to get through a couple more questions here. So, um, Senator McConnell says he's open to vote to convict. He thinks this could be a potentially a way to purge President Trump. Uh, from the party. I know you obviously have been an ardent supporter of President Trump, but I want to mm -hmm. share with you what was in a New York Times story recently about actually a week ago today in the morning. Uh, it's the New York Times piece says that President Trump in the morning before the Electoral College vote said to Vice President Pence, hey, Mike, assume, you know, suggesting he can overturn this election. Today mm -hmm. you can show up and you can either go down as a patriot or you can go down as a another word that I can't even say on TV, but it's, not, it's very derogatory. What I'm getting at here, sir, is, is just being an ardent supporter of President Trump, and then you hear this kind of stuff to the vice president, just your take, any like, wow, I didn't realize that character, or what, what do you say to that? 
Well, first of all, it breaks my heart because I love both men a great deal. Um, and Mike Pence has been not just loyal, but he's been, like I said earlier, he's really um, been a great mentor in many respects, especially spiritually to uh, President Trump. So I'm sure he was deeply disappointed. I also suspect that this has been building up for some time. Um, and so, no, it was, it was heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see the relationship fissured that, fissured that way. It's heartbreaking to see the president treat a good man like Mike Pence that way. And frankly, in my view, from a political standpoint, if I was to view it strictly politically, it was the President Trump's greatest mistake. Because not only did he mistreat the vice president, but he mistreated him because the vice president did the right thing. He stuck to his convictions and he stuck to his oath to the Constitution, just like I did when I voted to yes. um, you know, support the electors. Two more questions, sir. Um, mm -hmm. Did Joe Biden win a free and fair election? Chris, all the evidence in the world is, is that he won a free and fair election. And, and all of the effort to draw, and I believe me, I supported, as you know, the president's every legal maneuver that he could make um, and his right to do it. Um, but now they've been turned back 63 times uh, in, in court. Um, so it appears that, yes, that he was. And, and I do believe that we should never repeat the COVID-19 election again. We should never have as loose of rules relating to a universal vote by mail. And, and we need to get rid of that stuff because it's too easy to yeah. commit fraud. And it's too easy to Senator, commit legal fraud, in my view. And Senator, I don't mean to cut you off, sir, just because it's no, easy okay. time. But I do want to get this in because sure. you know tonight across the great state of North Dakota and western Minnesota, there's a lot of people at home that believe this election was stolen from Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. You just said, yes, Chris, I believe Joe Biden won in a free and fair election based on the evidence I've seen. So the people that still believe that this election was stolen from Donald Trump, you have the floor for a couple minutes. What do you want to say to them tonight? I would say to them, Donald Trump was a great president for four years. He's going out of office with a, with a terrible stain, and I'd like to see that stain rehabilitated. I believe it's that he can still do that, and we need to be part of that. I'm disgusted by the actions of Nancy Pelosi and this hyper-partisan, you know, crazy impeachment. Uh, they've been trying to impeach him for four years. They've done it now twice, from both times without due process. They're the opponent. The other tragedy, though, is, is that we can't continue like this as a nation. We have to heal our wounds. And if I if I wanted to rationalize violence by pretending it was peaceful protests, I'd become a Democrat. We're better than them. Let's continue to be better than them. Let's rally behind our country and our party. And uh, and let's try to do some good for this nation as we put our shoulder to the wheel now in Congress and do some serious legislating. Chris, in the last two days, I've spoken now to five Joe, of Joe Biden's nominees for the cabinet. All of them, all five of them, including Secretary of Defense, will be in front of me in my committees. I've begun the process of those interviews. It's going to be a rigorous scrutiny. But we have to move forward with our nation and make sure that the rest of the world doesn't see a divided United States of America. We need to be a united United States of America. And we'll want, run and win the next election two years from now and two years after that. Senator Kevin Kramer, thank you so much for being available, joining us live. We really, really appreciate the time and the insight, sir. Always my pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much. A uh, lot to digest there. A lot more I wanted to visit with Senator Kevin Kramer about, and it's TV time. So please share your point of view with us. It's very easy to do. You can email us, you can text us, you can leave us a voicemail. we got much more coming up right after this.